engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. So this out from the Wall Street Journal just a few minutes ago, the college board that designs and administers the SAT, they're basically going to put in metrics to allow colleges to discriminate against your kids if they so want. Uh, This is it's a plan designed to add socioeconomic adversity metrics, an adversity score to capture social and economic background. Why? Because they expect uh, the Supreme Court to throw out um, a, a Harvard policy that discriminates against Asian Americans and the college board wants to help colleges discriminate against Asian Americans because they tend to score very well academically and also come from stable families uh, that that are on the upper end of the socioeconomic scale. So they got to do something. This is crazy. Well, I'll get into the details here in a little bit. Also, Jim Beck has uh, stepped down as insurance commissioner. He's, I think his salary is 120 some odd thousand dollars a year. He's still going to collect it. Because he's not actually resigning, he's just suspending himself. And because he's duly elected and hasn't resigned, he gets paid for the job. So the state's going to be paying him a salary when he's um, not actually doing the work. Uh, And there's really constitutionally no way to get around this unless he actually resigns from the position. Uh, And no one can force him to resign from the position, including the governor, even though the governor wants him to. We'll get into that. But first... The president has unveiled his immigration plan today. Uh, let me start at the end as opposed to the beginning. All right, well, I'll, I'll explain. It's not going to happen. The end. The reason it's not going to happen is because Chuck Grassley, Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, and several other members of the Senate have come out and said there's no need for this. Uh, we don't want to consider this. Uh, it can't pass in the House, and Senate Republicans are saying we don't want to do this. Uh, in fact, the, the president has privately consulted behind the scene through Jared Kushner uh, on this immigration plan, but Republicans don't want to pursue it. However, the president has an argument, and it's a Georgia argument, for why they should do this. Uh, let me explain this to you. Uh, McKinsey, you know, the McKinsey Consulting Group, um, they do all sorts of uh, studies, uh, economic studies and whatnot. Well, McKinsey and company decided to do a study on their own. They weren't paid by anyone, but they decided to do a study of Georgia's economic trends. And there are some worrying signs for Georgia economically. Let me read you some numbers. According to McKinsey, Georgia has unfilled job openings in several sectors in 2018. 28,800 available jobs in transportation and logistics, 22,300 in sales, 22,200 in computing, 20,300 in healthcare, 16,700 in office and administration. Again, these are the number of jobs that are not filled. We are in an employment crisis in Georgia, or at least we're heading into one, uh, not because we have too many unemployed people, but because we don't have enough people to fill the jobs that are available. So, by the way, th- this goes back to Chris Burns from Dynamic Money was here two weeks ago, and he made this point about the current economic news in the state. It is so good right now. There are so many openings that if you want a new job, go market yourself. Uh, get your resume together and start shopping it around. Uh, we are at a full employment situation. There are a massive number of jobs that are not being filled in the state. Again, let me read you the numbers. For, these are the 2018 numbers from McKinsey Company in Georgia. 
28,800 unfilled jobs in transportation and logistics, 22,300 unfilled jobs in sales, 22,200 jobs unfilled in computing, 20,300 unfilled in healthcare, 16,700 unfilled in office and administration. That's just Georgia. So the president's got to do something because his advisors are starting to warn him that we need more workers in the country. And if we were to produce natural-born workers in this country, it would take a minimum of 18 years, 19 years, really, to get them into the workforce because it'd be nine months in the womb and then 18 years before they get out of high school, forget college. So it would take us 19 years, really, to to fill them natural board. So you know what we got to do? The thing some of you don't want to do, immigration. Loosen the standards on immigration. I mean, I don't need to read the numbers again, but you get the sense in Georgia, uh, we need more workers here. We can lure workers from other parts of the country, but if you lure workers from other parts of the country, well, you're one, I mean, take for example, do we really want a bunch of people from California coming here? I mean, that was one of my chief objections to Amazon, bringing a bunch of skinny jeans wearing hipsters from Washington down to Georgia with their Washington atheistic, progressive, hostile to, to Christian values. And then no point. But where are we going to find the people if we're not attracting them from other states? And by the way, if we did attract them from other states, then those states suddenly have employment problems because you got to fill the jobs in those states. So the president's got to do something, and his solution is to open borders. Now, not open borders in the way the left wants open borders. Essentially what the president is doing is he wants to be able to uh, open the border to more immigrants who are already skilled, already have the skills. Uh, But he also wants to open schools to immigrants who not only potentially have the skills, but could also then stay here. See, it's no good for us to be bringing people into this country, educating them, and then having them go to China or elsewhere. We got to find a way to keep them here. And so that's what the president's policy wants to do. Currently, only about 12% of immigrants are admitted into the country based on employment and skills. 66% are admitted based on family connections. Uh, And the president wants to flip those around. So 57% of the people who are coming would be based on employment. 33% would be based on family connections. The president, as he said all along, he wants to prioritize family connections based on either bringing children or bringing spouses or bringing parents in, not the extended family of first cousins, second cousins, first cousins, once removed aunts and uncles. So he wants to reshape that balance, but he really wants to make it easier for employers to bring into this country someone from abroad who wants to uh, work in this country. Now, one of the things that this this um, policy from the president, this rollout, doesn't touch is the Dreamers. Um, this plan that the president is rolling out today takes no position on current illegal immigration. What it does try to do is reset the parameters for legal immigration. So, for example, um, instead of prioritizing people immigrating to this country who have existing relatives in this country, what the president wants to do is prioritize immigration of what he's calling extraordinary talent, people with professional or specialized vocation, and exceptional students. That is, students in other countries with good grades who want to come to college in the United States will prioritize allowing those people to come in, hopefully then finding them jobs in the United States to develop talent here. 
Um, a real world situation here. I actually, I was not an immigration attorney. I had to help a guy uh, with an immigration situation when I was a lawyer and he was a soccer coach. And he was a very, very good soccer coach, but soccer coaches, obviously, uh, prioritizing British soccer coaches in the United States was not a high priority, uh, even for, at the time, it was the, the Bush administration. It just it wasn't. Um, he had a job here. His visa was uh, up for expiration, and there were people arguing that he should not be able to stay in the country. Even though he had an employer in this country who wanted him to stay, wanted him to stay as a soccer coach, uh, the federal government gave us the runaround for a very long time on allowing him to stay because of a, his classification on his visa. There were Americans who could have done the work. The problem was there just actually weren't any Americans who wanted to do his job. And it was a convoluted, burdensome, bureaucratic process to try to keep a British soccer coach in the United States working for a private American school who wanted to keep him. Uh, we Eventually, the situation, we were successful, but it was still a, a pain in the butt to do. Uh, what the Trump administration wants to do, that process has actually gotten more complicated over time. What the Trump administration wants to do is they want to simplify the process by which if you have an employer in this country and they want an existing employee who is an immigrant to stay – They'll make it a lot easier for that company to keep that person's visa renewed. But also, if you have an employer or an employee out of the country who wants to come into this country and the employer wants them to come, they'll make it easier not only for that employee to come, but to stay and not tie it to their job. Once they've worked for a number of years, they'll be able to stay. If they want to, if they want to seek American citizenship, that's actually a pretty good idea because what typically what happens is an employer brings someone from abroad here and. That person, one of two things happens, either they stay with the company and you've got to go through the burdensome renewal process over and over and over over time, or eventually they decide, you know what, I, I want to go work for someone else. I can get paid more. I want to stay here. Uh, I can benefit another company. And there's a just nightmare process of trying to make that move. And so this will streamline that, that. The Trump administration is saying that this is a Byzantine process, Byzantine bureaucracy, uh, very complicated, convoluted, hard to follow. It drives up costs. People have to hire lawyers. They shouldn't have to do that. They should be able to do it themselves. And we should prioritize finding people who want to come here to work, not people who want to come here because their family's already here. That sounds like a no-brainer to me. It sounds like a good idea. Of course, again, Let's go to the end of this. Congressional Republicans are right now saying this isn't a deal starter. We're, we don't even want to consider this. We're headed into an election season. We don't want to do this. The president's team this afternoon, though, is signaling he intends to make this a campaign issue if the Democrats won't go along with it. But the subtle hint there, he's saying if the Democrats won't go along with it, but the subtle implication is if the Republicans in Congress won't go along with this, he's going to make it a campaign issue whether they like it or not because he really wants to do this. This president wants an immigration deal. Again, though, because I'm seeing people tweeting and emailing. This has nothing to do with he's not taking a position on the Dreamers. Illegal aliens are already here. This is only about fixing, streamlining, and making more simple the existing immigration process, legal immigration process into the country. I've been a Quip user for a long time. I uh, saw an ad on Instagram for Quip, decided I'd give them a try, and I love them. And I want to take a time out from the show to tell you about Quip, but Quip has something new that I want to tell you about. A new brush... Same as the original version, but tweaked for size down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products adults use in their life. And so they're introducing a kid size version of Quip. So if you have kids, you like your Quip toothbrush, get the kids one. Now, I'm ordering my 13-year-old, the adult size one, but if you have a, a smaller child than that, 
go with a kid's toothbrush. It's this, got the same built-in two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds, reminds you to switch sides, helps you clean your mouth evenly so your kids can brush like a grown-up with the same great design. Now, Quip starts at $25. Every three months, you get a new brush head for 5 bucks to keep your toothbrush fresh. But if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you can get your first brush head refill pack for free. So you get your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. I have a total, 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 totally selfish thing to ask. I apologize in advance. I am really, really, really close to 10,000 followers on Instagram. And it's like the one place where I don't get political. In fact, if you were to go there today, you would actually see I'm like making overnight pizza dough for my pizza oven. That's exciting, isn't it? You, you, you need to go follow me on Instagram. E.W. Erickson, E-W-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Go follow me on Instagram. You just want to. Now, there is a David Ralston matter uh, in the news today. Uh, a case has been dismissed. This is one of the longest outstanding cases. Uh, back in 2009, an individual, according to the um, prosecutors, uh, struck up a conversation with a 14-year-old boy, uh, Eventually, they went to dinner, went back to the man's townhouse to watch a movie, and ultimately engaged in adult activities uh, in the bedroom. Well, the case has been dropped against this individual. He was 29 at the time. The boy was 14. This was in 2009. It's gone on for 10 years, and prosecutors are dropping the charges now, saying essentially that the, the victim didn't want to cooperate. The victim says he didn't even know that the case hadn't been resolved, that he was happy to cooperate. Um, but this has gone on for so long that they've they've lost, that they basically decided to drop the case. Uh, Ralston has delayed this thing since 2009. When we come back, there's another case that Ralston has continued to delay the case. He finally ditched the client when the client said he paid Ralston to keep dragging out the case. He just now ditched this client. We're going to talk to the victim of the alleged attack when we come back here on WSB. Real quick, I uh, do have to do this. Uh, just south of Douglasville, there's a big thunderstorm uh, right on the Douglas and Carroll County lines. And then if you're headed south, uh, down 41 through Irondale, it is raining. South of Noonan as well, there is some rain out there. Otherwise, we're looking good. Some sprinkles in the area. Uh, as I've been mentioning this week, the Republicans are convening in Savannah this weekend to pick a new chairman of the party and also to deal with the the crises and scandals that are breaking out within the party the Jim Beck situation uh, he has stepped aside not resigning though so he'll continue to collect his salary and then what to do with David Ralston as well uh, in David Ralston has represented a number of people who are criminal defendants uh, whose trials have been delayed for a very long time. One of those is uh, the pending case, State of Georgia versus David Shell. Uh, Mr. Shell, a repeat offender with uh, prior convictions for battering women. 
one of the women who says she is a victim of Jaden Shell, in fact, the pending case um, waiting to go to trial is Jaden Carpenter, who joins me on the phone. Thanks very much for joining me. You're welcome. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm dandy, thank you. Now, there are five counts in this case. Uh, not, there's aggravated assault, family violence, battery, family violence, a th- third count of battery, family violence, a simple battery, and a recidivist charge. Uh, and this case has been going on now. The indictment was December 2014. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, would you tell the audience what led to the indictment? What led to the indictment? Yeah, what, what what did he do to you that that you say he did to you? Um, what he's done before, uh, something triggered it uh, that I really won't go into, but something triggered it, and that's all it took for him. And he goes into a full blown rage. <clears throat> First thing he did was knock a fan off of a table and across the camper. We were living in a camper at the time. And then after that, he came after me. Um, he uh, grabbed me and headbutted me and then grabbed me by the throat and slammed me up against the refrigerator. And at that point in time, I made a dive for the bedroom, which is where my uh, car keys were in my purse. You've got to bear in mind we're in a tiny little camper with a bedroom. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at the end of the bed basically um, about to reach over and grab my purse. And um, he grabbed my left arm and stuck my finger in his mouth and proceeded to bite down on it so hard that I, I it felt like he was trying to bite it off. I could feel his teeth on my bone and of course he left my right hand free so I started you know slapping him and knocking him in the face and trying to get him to let go because it's hurting so badly after um, he realized I was going to fight back he let go and then took off oh and I forgot to mention he spit on me multiple times too but um, and I I called 911 Mm -hmm. and um they caught him down the road because he tried to run off like he always does. Now, my understanding is that so the AJC ran this story, and David Shell is actually the one who was quoted saying, um, that's why I gave him 20000 bucks. The, the ability to delay the cases. He's worth every penny of it. And um, that uh, David Ralston said that he would deal with this situation and dropped uh, Mr. Shell as a client. So I presume that this case will, without the speaker as his lawyer, finally go to trial. But you've had to hang on to all of this and try to keep your memory accurate as, as time has been going on since 2014. <clears throat> yes, it's, um, it's difficult because <clears throat> excuse me, the only way to heal is to work through it and try to put it behind you um but you can't really heal completely because you have to remember everything mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense you have to constantly you know remind yourself of the incident and um keep it fresh in your mind which is the opposite of what <clears throat> you need to do in order to heal right 
Miss Carpenter, I know there are a lot of Republicans headed to Savannah this weekend. A lot of them are listening to the program right now. You, you got an opportunity to, to talk to them. And, and what do you think they should do with this David Ralston situation? Well, first of all, I'm a Republican. <clears throat> and um, I'm ashamed to admit, you know, I voted Republican across the board in Georgia, which means I voted for David Ralston. Mm-hmm. Um, in my eyes, um, he is uh, tarnishing and giving a bad name to the Republican Party. And I think that as far as both parties are concerned, they need to take into account uh, the tarnishing and of what he's doing to the state of Georgia. Um, this story has gone all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's not just state in Georgia. And... Um, I mean, as far as I see it, they needed the Republicans and the Democrats as well need to do what's right. They need to walk in integrity and um, make our state proud that we um, believe in fair treatment of every human being. That's well said. Ms. Carpenter, I, I, I got to leave there, unfortunately, because we've got all the, the, the awful news with awful traffic in Atlanta, and I've got to get to it. <laughs> but I appreciate you very much stopping by to, to talk about what happened to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. That's Jaden Carpenter. The case probably will go to trial at this point as the speaker has dropped the defendant uh, as of April 5th uh, from legal representation. Uh, so I, I'm assuming he has a new lawyer now or will. Let me round out this situation with Ms. Carter. Uh, so the pending case is the state of Georgia versus David Shelley. He's got a, a, a history, according to the AJC, um, a, of abuse of women, beating up women. Um, once apparently, allegedly beat his ex-wife so badly she blacked out, left her eye nearly swollen, shut her left eye, locked her in their home so she couldn't reach a hospital, according to her. A girlfriend alleges at one time he slapped and choked her. Uh, Court records verify that. And Ralston got this case. David Shell said he paid David Ralston $20,000. That he was worth every penny of it, in part because Ralston would drag this case out. It wasn't a smart thing of him to say. The speaker said he would deal with it. Drop the guy as a client. Well, here are the continuances, just so you get a picture of this. The charges came, the indictment came in December of 2014. Uh, The speaker delayed it in... July of 2015, August of 2015, October of 2015, December of 2015, uh, January of 2016, they were actually in session at that point, August of 2017, they were not in session, December of 2017, uh, they were just heading into session, and then August of 2018. So one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times they he delayed it, and only two of those were they actually in session. And uh, this case has continued to go on. And I told you about the other case where they ultimately, more than 10 years later, dropped the charges because they say they can't track down the victims now. The victims say that they hadn't heard from the prosecutor, but that they would have testified. Just pitiful situations. This is the Speaker of the House in Georgia doing this. Republicans have an opportunity to remove him. Only 10 members of the state House of Representatives have called for the Speaker to go. The rest of them have not. Um, you should text the word speaker to 345345 and tell your state representative that you want them to remove the speaker from power. Um, This has gone on long enough.
Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And we're going to go to James in Marietta. Welcome to the program, James. Hi, Eric. I love the show. Thank you. Um, the, the Democrats are going to turn this Ralston thing into a national story uh, next year. So I'm wondering, us as citizens, can we use our First Amendment right to petition to compel the legislature to bring the Ralston bill to a vote? Uh, yeah, well, you can urge them to, but you got to urge your individual state representatives to push it and to sign it. Only 10 of them have. Uh, most of them have not. And, and I'm making it really easy for folks. If you text the word speaker to 345-345, you'll get back a link. And if you follow the link, you can email your state representative, you can tweet your state representative, and you can call your state representative right, right from what, what I sent back to you, this link. Uh, you'll be able to put in your phone number, and uh, your phone will ring. You'll hear my voice, and I'm going to connect you to your state representative. Now, the office is closed in a few minutes, but go on and, and get the link back, and you can do it tomorrow. Uh, and call him and tell him he needs to go. Uh, he needs to resign. He needs to step aside. Look, if Jim Beck can step aside, David Ralston can step aside. Jim Beck is one man indicted. Uh, David Ralston is one man who has held up justice for a decade for lots and lots of cases, uh, denied justice to lots of people who are victims of crimes. Um, for a law and order, order party, this is something that should not be acceptable at all. It just, this is, this is something. Um, now, when we come back, we do need to uh, play out this Jim Beck situation, what happens there. David Schaefer versus Scott Johnson for the Republican uh, chairmanship. That's heating up. And is there going to be war with Iran? Here a lot of Democrats and reporters say there's going to be. The president's now spoken on the issue. He says, no, there's not. I'll tell you what I know. Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB and Atlanta's Evening News. And the headlines keep rolling in. The state insurance commissioner, Jim Beck, is stepping aside. Uh, this actually, he he's expediting a process um, that would otherwise take at least 28 days to have happen. Um, what does this mean? Well, the governor has suspended the insurance commissioner. The insurance commissioner cannot self-suspend. But under Georgia law, after 14 days following an indictment of a statewide official, the governor, under the Constitution, the governor can convene a panel that will look at the charges the, the indictment is based upon and decide if they relate to that person's job. And if they do, the panel can tell the governor, suspend the person and, and put someone new in. Uh, well, Jim Beck reached out to the governor and said uh, that you can go on and suspend. I'd like to voluntarily suspend. 
expedite this process, get it underway. Even though I'm not guilty, it's going to take time to prepare the defense and I'm not going to be able to do the job. And um, according to Beck in his letter, pursuant to the Constitution, this voluntary suspension shall terminate upon my reinstatement to office following my acquittal of these charges. So the governor has issued an executive order, uh, whereas uh, Jim Beck was indicted on May 14th on multiple felony counts, uh, whereas Mr. Beck transmitted a letter requesting to be suspended. Now, therefore, pursuant to the authority vested in me as governor, um, Jim Beck is immediately suspended from the Office of Commissioner of Insurance, pursuant to my authority in Article 2, Section 3, part, Paragraph 1 of the Georgia Constitution. So Beck is now out, but there's a problem. Not really a problem, I guess, if you're Jim Beck. Um, Taxpayers may not like this. According to uh, the AJC, He, even though suspended, he will still legally be entitled to his salary. Now, why is that? Uh, Because he is still technically the insurance commissioner. Um, According to the AJC, while suspended, Beck will continue to draw a $120,000 a year commissioner's salary. Now, um, Bob Trammell, the House Minority Leader, saying that um, Jim Beck needs to resign. Uh, The governor as well saying Jim Beck needs to resign. Uh, The judge involved, Russell Vineyard, said that Beck cannot uh, have any dealings with the Georgia Underwriters Association. And as insurance commissioner, he's got regulatory, regulatory authority over the association, so he's got to... He can't do. He can't have anything to do with this. So he had to step aside. Now, the governor, though, the House Minority Leader, other Republicans as well, Scott Johnson, who is running for uh, chairman of the state Republican Party, uh, they're all coming out saying you need to resign, not just step aside. Beck has no intention of resigning, though. He's insisting upon his innocence. So he will step aside, be suspended, still collect his salary. The deputy insurance commissioner will step forward uh, and handle the role. Who is the deputy insurance commissioner? Well, that gives us, it leads us into another story that is developing as we head towards the Republicans going to span. I'll give you those details. Okay. Um, This has become, it is becoming an issue. Uh, As the majority party in the state has its convention Uh, It finds itself where it did not want to be. It has reduced majority in the House, in the Georgia House, a reduced majority in the Georgia Senate. The governor's race was closer than they would have liked. You have a 2020 Senate race uh, where the Republicans are blessed by having a lack of strong challengers right now to David Perdue. And you now have this uh, David Ralston situation and you have uh, the Jim Beck situation. Likewise, uh, there was a a racial discrimination suit um, that the GOP had to deal with internally uh, at the state party. So you got all these things coming on. And well, now you've got Scott Johnson, who is running for chairman. He is the former Cobb County Republican chairman. And he's going after David Schaefer, his opponent. Schaefer was the um, in the state Senate, ran for lieutenant governor against Jeff Duncan, lost. Um, Jeff Duncan has come out very strongly for Scott Johnson. And um, he put out on his Facebook page, uh, the David Schaefer and Jim Beck have been intertwined for decades in both business and government agencies. This includes the fact that David Schaefer sits on the board that approved all of Jim Beck's alleged criminal invoices at the Georgia Underwriting Association. As a business executive, I find it nearly impossible that $2 million could be paid out for services that were largely never rendered and someone not notice. 
Whether it was neglect or compliance, either way, Schaefer failed by allowing Beck to continue his scheme right under his nose. Someone, uh, someone not notice, I guess, typo. Whether it was negligence or compliance, either way, Schaefer failed. Um, this, of course, now turning into an issue as the Republicans try to pick their chair. Now, on top of that, the deputy insurance commissioner who will act in Jim Beck's stead is tied to Schaefer. Schaefer and Beck do have uh, connections. Now, I've talked to a number of Republicans who are headed to Savannah, all of whom, and and by the way, Schaefer is a friend. Uh, I I would be voting for Schaefer if I went to Savannah. And there are a number of people I've talked to who they initially thought that Johnson may be overplaying his hand by going after Schaefer. Schaefer has a lot of um, goodwill built up among grassroots, uh, but Schaefer has been rather quiet on this issue as they head to Savannah. This is going to play out on the floor there. My question is this. Johnson is willing to come out and say Beck needs to step aside and Schaefer shouldn't be chair because he failed to do this. Will either Schaefer or Johnson make David Ralston an issue? Are they going to focus on each other and the guy who's been perp-walked, or are they going to deal with the Speaker of the House of Representatives? Will either one show leadership on this issue? It's very, very easy when you've got a a statewide elected official who's been perp-walked and and indicted by a federal grand jury to say, oh, yeah, that guy, he's bad, and oh, oh, my my opponent is, is tied into that guy. And it's it's easy for Schaefer to push back and say, look, we didn't know the U.S. attorney says that we're victims here. Uh, he was able to do this. Um, there was no way for us to find this. He, he was he did this to friends. He did this to close family acquaintances. He did this to us. Uh, we're victims here, too. I can't be blamed. And it's fair. Will either of them, though, stand up and actually take ownership of the issue that's actually going to hurt the Republicans in 2020? Because Jim Beck's not going to hurt the Republicans in 2020. I mean, he was there for, what, a, a, a year and, and stepped aside, self-suspended, if you will. You got them all on record now, the governor on down, saying he needs to resign, not just self-suspend. Kind of like self-deportation, I guess. Um, what about the David Ralston situation? Where are our state leaders willing to publicly take stands? We've got 10 members of the House of Representatives willing to take a stand on this. What about the rest of them? What about the hard one? See, the Beck one is easy. The Beck one's an easy issue because there's an indictment. The speaker's the hard issue, and uh, it's a real sign of character or lack thereof that we got a bunch of people in the state who know privately this is a real problem headed into 2020, but publicly they don't want to stick their neck out and take a stand. Someone needs to take a stand, and maybe it should start with one of these Republican chairmen. One of them should take a stand. One of them should stand up and say, if we're headed into 2020 with David Ralston, we got problems, but none of them seem to want to do it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Lots of stories out about President Trump wanting to go to war with Iran. The president says it's not true. I'll tell you what I know when we come back. I've been a Quip user for a long time. Uh, I saw an ad on Instagram for Quip, decided I'd give them a try, and I love them. And I want to take a time out from the show to tell you about Quip, but Quip has something new that I want to tell you about. A new brush, same as the original version, but tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products adults use in their life. 
And so they're introducing a kid-sized version of Quip. So if you have kids, you like your Quip toothbrush, get the kids one. Now, I'm ordering my 13-year-old, the adult size one, but if you have a, a smaller child than that, Go with a kid's toothbrush. It's this, got the same built-in two-minute timer. It pulses every 30 seconds, reminds you to switch sides, helps you clean your mouth evenly so your kids can brush like a grown-up with the same great design. Now, Quip starts at $25. Every three months, you get a new brush head for 5 bucks to keep your toothbrush fresh. But if you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you can get your first brush head refill pack for free. So you get your first brush head refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. Welcome back. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Let us go to the phones. David in Douglasville, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, I'm on the way to the convention, but I wanted to uh, share a text message with you. I'm going to pull over safely so I can... uh... (laughs) Yes, we don't want you to wreck. We've already got enough traffic trouble today. Okay, well, Scott Johnson sent me a text message, and he said... I agree with Bruce Azevedo. I think both on the same page about Ralston. He needs to step aside. Well, what's funny is from through the grapevine, Schaefer's people hate Johnson's people, and Johnson's people hate both of them. One of them is going to have to go up against Bruce Azevedo in the second round of voting for the chairmanship. So um, I just wanted to know about your thoughts of, uh, you know, how do you think this is going to play out for... Scott Johnson or um, Bruce, I mean, uh, Scott Johnson or David Schaefer because they're fighting with each other and the third guy is just sitting there on the sideline now and I'll uh, hang up and listen. All right, well, first, drive safely down there, David. I, I I do think that the fight is between uh, Johnson and Schaefer and frankly, I think either would be good. Uh, we're, we're blessed to have two really good, competent people running for chair of the party. Um, and you've got uh, Scott Johnson or has Jeff Duncan support that may help him. Um, I don't know. It's going to be between those two though. I think. The phone number here is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News, and I'm going to talk to Bob in Cartersville. Bob, welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, my question is, who is the majority whip in the House, and why not put a lot of pressure on that person oh because the majority whip is trey kelly who counts the votes and um it is uh, trey kelly is universally derided uh by his house colleagues as unable to take a position uh without making sure that there is consensus from others and uh because there is no consensus of other house members wanting to get rid of the speaker trey kelly will be a loyal lieutenant until the moment he's not yeah, maybe that he needs to just lose his job. Well, but, I mean, the same people who won't oust the Speaker, they're not going to oust Trey Kelly. Uh, the problem here, honestly, is Barry Fleming, um, who is a great guy, by the way, and I don't mean to sound critical of Barry Fleming. Barry Fleming is the head of the House Judiciary Committee, 
And multiple of his colleagues tell me if Barry Fleming were to come out tomorrow and say it's time for David Ralston to go, uh, that David Ralston would be gone. But Fleming would like to, I am led to believe, be Speaker of the House. And the problem is that if Barry Fleming were to do this, and, and by the way, he represents Harlem, Georgia, that area, um, good conservative guy, Barry Fleming is, and he, the problem is, according to multiple people that who work with him, that he would like to be speaker and that there is broad support behind the scenes for him to be speaker. But if Barry Fleming were to come out tomorrow and say that uh, David Ralston needs to go, Barry Fleming would not become speaker. Jan Jones would become speaker. And Barry Fleming doesn't want to challenge Jan Jones for the speakership. So there is hope and against hope among Republicans in the state house that David Ralston will not stand for reelection after the next legislative session and that they can leave well enough alone. He will exit on his own terms. And then there will be a new election for speaker without giving it to Jan Jones because multiple of the members of the house want to challenge Jan Jones for speaker, but they can't be seen publicly as challenging a woman for speaker. I mean, she's the speaker pro Tim, so she'd get it by default. If David Ralston stepped down tomorrow, Jan Jones becomes the speaker. And any election thereafter, if Jan Jones wants to stay speaker, would just be to affirm that um, it would not look good optically for these other Republicans to challenge the first woman speaker of the House of Representatives. Now, there is frustration behind the scenes as well that Jan Jones will not speak up. Uh, multiple colleagues of hers in the House uh, who are also frustrated with Barry Fleming, they're frustrated with Jan Jones. That they, they think that uh, the Speaker already blames her for all of this, so there's no harm, no foul in her standing up saying he should go. I mean, if this is going to be an issue and it's going to resonate with suburban women, who better to call for the Speaker to go than a suburban woman who would be Speaker of the House? Say it's time for him to step aside. There's real frustration among a lot of these Republicans, and I've tried to tell many of them that I think they're cowards. And I think they are cowards um, because the speaker is going to drag them all down to a loss of their majority, and they're more scared of the speaker than they are of the voters, and their priorities are mixed up. This reminds me of Republicans in 2006 in Washington who were so scared of um, Denny Hastert and the Republican leaders in the House, they would not speak up and take a strong stand against the out-of-control spending and whatnot from Republicans in Washington. What happened? Nancy Pelosi became speaker. They would not take a stand. They were too scared, and it's going to happen again. Uh, some of them because they want leadership and, and they want to play it just so, and others because they actually are scared, more scared of the speaker and the repercussions of um, being on the wrong side of the speaker than they are the voters. Uh, they would rather have justice denied to lots of Georgians than have their precious position in the House jeopardized by getting on the wrong side of David Ralston. So I, I've been mentioning the story and i really do need to get to it and, and my apologies for those of you the speaker story is not going away we'll, we'll have plenty of time but for the last two weeks we have all i'm sure heard these stories about possible war with iran the media has played it up democrats in congress have come out to denounce the president for possibly considering it uh and the reality is it's not going to happen in fact the president very vocally today says he does not want war with iran what is happening behind the scenes is uh, the Iranian situation is destabilizing. 
Iran is lashing out. There have been um, reported attacks on oil pipelines in the Middle East. It looks like Iran has been preparing to strike American and Saudi interests. There's some speculation that the Saudis are are staging some of these things to get the president's attention. I'm not sure that that's true, but those allegations are out there uh, quite publicly at this point. The president's team believes something needs to happen in Iran. They don't necessarily think that they uh, need to go to war with Iran, but it's being interpreted as the president wants to go to war with Iran. The president very clearly today now has come out and said, absolutely not. Uh, We're not going to do this. We're not going to go to war with Iran. We want the situation resolved, but we're not going to do that. I think the solution here is going to be very much like uh, the president's been doing in Venezuela is allowing people in Iran, mobilizing those people to take action. Remember with Barack Obama, you had the the Iranian uh, people rising up to protest the Iranian uh, regime. They were protesting in the streets. The president had spoken kindly of and positively of protests throughout the Arab world. And then when it happened in Iran, he became very, very silent and wouldn't grant amnesty or, or asylum to the protesters in Iran. It really crushed the movement. A lot of people within the Trump administration think that if given the opportunity for the people of Iran to stage their own uprising again, this president would encourage it and recognize it and try to encourage the people to do it. And that seems to be more what they're hoping. They don't want direct war with Iran, but if the people in Iran wanted to start a rebellion against their regime, then we would probably support it. Uh, But I would tend to ignore all the press reports about the president wanting war with Iran. I don't believe it. He himself denies it. And most of the people I know in the administration who are, in fact, involved in the Iran situation say it's just not happening. It's not in the cards unless Iran does something that they don't foresee. No one is plotting for war with Iran. They just want to help the people of Iran replace the regime. 